change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podski Wee Wee. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Mike, it's it's been a while, buddy. What have you been up to? Oh, you know, just getting back to work, um, doing the old, uh, you know, whatever I can uh, keep myself busy uh, in the meantime. And uh, it's, it's just been, uh, you know, after sitting out for a little bit there because of the COVID, it's... Uh, it's interesting to get back into the grind, but uh, it feels good. I got a little bored there for a while, so. Yeah, I've been, uh, as you know, grinding it out at work the entire way through. I don't know, man. I Sometimes I'm I'm a little jealous of the people that got to take time off, and then sometimes I'm like, man, after after a couple of days, I feel like I'd just be like going stir-crazy. How long did it take for you before you finally were like, man, I can't wait to get back to work? Well, listen, I got to be honest with you. I tell some people that, uh, you know, I was getting bored and all this stuff, but... <laughs> If I could sit at home and just, you know, <laughs> screw the pooch um, the rest of my life and get paid, I, I might take up that, that, that deal. But uh, no, but it, it is good to get back and be around other other humans again. And uh, uh, I was getting a little chubby, so i got to get uh, my walking in. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's very nice that you're that honest. But I, yeah. I, the, the caveat of that is uh, sit at home and get paid. That's the hard part. If you figure out how to sit at home and get paid, I might join you in. I'll pack on a few extra pounds for that. I don't care. As long there as, I'm, as, long as I'm making money. Hey, we could, we could podcast live. We could, we could, do, yeah. we could, be, we could be talking Ticats football every day. It would be, it'd be fantastic. Absolutely. Maybe even like switch it up and start another podcast of uh, uh, wrestling or music or, you know, whatever. We'd we have just, so much we, free time. We could do whatever we want. We would have a podcast empire that no one would listen to. But it would be our empire. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about some Ticat stuff. Uh, obviously, there's been a ton of news since the last time you and I sat down. Not a ton of Ticats news, but there are you know, a few interesting tidbits that I think are, are worth talking about. The first thing on the docket this week is, I think, something near and dear to your heart, my friend. Uh, Luke Tasker possibly returning to the team. Uh, it, again, this is now we're going back probably month and a half. Like I think it was the end of May when this story came out. That's how long it's been since you and I have had a chance to kind of sit down and, and, and get going again. Uh, Sean Burke, co-general manager of the Ticats, came out and said that they've been in constant communication with Luke Tasker throughout his whole free agency process, and Tasker still remains unsigned. Uh, and uh, obviously he's not he's not with the Ticats, not with anybody. Um, and yeah, the, the co-GM just kind of came out and said, like, hey, we're, we're still in, in communication with him, that the door is open for a possible return, um, and, and all that good stuff. So... Uh, what do you think, man? Uh, how happy were you to hear this news? Well, obviously, uh, I'm a big Tasker backer, and uh, I named my cat after him, so it would be nice if he would uh, re-sign with the Ticats. Now, I'm looking at the, all the receivers we have on the squad right now, and we have quite a few. Um, 
some of them are unknowns, some of them are very well-knowns, you know, the Devere Posey we brought in, but, and there's some young guys like Unger and Acklin, uh, but I still think there could be room on this team for Tasker, I, I really do, you know, he's a veteran receiver, uh, I know he's, he's his production has dropped off a little bit in the last couple years, but if he can come back healthy, I think I still think he can contribute to this team and make some some clutch catches. Maybe not, you know, run away from DBs and all that stuff. But he was never really that kind of player. So um, if they have a chance to bring him in and the, and the salary makes sense under the cap, I say uh, I say do it. You know what the craziest thing to me that I learned from from reading the the article on Three Down about him possibly returning is that he's only twenty nine. Yeah, does I it feel it like he's been his... around forever? Yes, it does. I thought maybe he was in his early 30s, 31, 32, or something like that. Which I know isn't that big of a difference from 29, like 29 to 31. Like, it's two years, whatever. But, man, it's it feels like he's been around forever. And he, he, like, he came in, I believe it was midway through the 2013 season, uh, which, you know, looking back was now seven years ago. But it's like, man, did he really come in as like a 23-year-old? Like, he, he didn't really spend all that much time in the NFL. I know he had a cup of coffee on the practice roster or in training camp. I think it was with the San Diego Chargers. That's how long ago it was. The Chargers were still in San Diego at the time. Um, but, no, it was, it's just crazy. That, that was the thing that, that kind of stood out to me. The, the, the only thing I look at – I'm with you. I'd love to have him back. I'm big like, – you're a Ticats fan. You're a Luke Tasker fan. Like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say they don't like Luke Tasker. And it feels like one of those ones where it's like if you, if you say that, I feel like there's something wrong with you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he's just – nice guy good player like make like what's not to like essentially the effort level is there every single time he steps on the field yeah and he seems and you you watch him and if if he's not making plays he's out there throwing blocks he's out there high-fiving his teammates like he just like i just don't see the only the only knock on him is is his health he's he has i think he's maybe played one or two full seasons he's he always seems to get nicked up but that's part of the terrain of you know, taking those hits and taking those catches, catching those passes over the middle. You know what I mean? Like that, that's sort of, you're, you're going across the middle, you're going to get laid out, you're going to sustain some injuries. But you mentioned the receiving core and that that's sort of where I, like, I just don't know where he fits in. And this is not a, not a slight to him, but you look at, you look at Brandon Banks, you look at Devere Posey, you know, those two guys are definitely going to, going to start. You look, you have, um, Jalen Acklin, who was the team's rookie of the year last year, he's going to be a guy that's definitely going to get some playing time in year two. Uh, and then you, you had guys like Jalen Marshall. You had guys like Marcus Tucker. You had some younger guys step up. And we got to think about who's going to be the Canadian. There's going to be a Canadian receiver. It's just kind of the way this team's always operated. So you know there's going to be a Canadian there. It's really hard to kind of find a spot for him. I, I agree with you that if, if he wants to come back and you can make the money work, you find a spot for him. But it's really difficult for me to see sort of where he automatically cracks the roster, if, if that right. makes sense. Because they've this team is loaded. And I know we've said this before. We've been saying it throughout the entire offseason, which sadly, sitting here in July, we are still in. This team, top to bottom, might be one of the most talented rosters I've ever seen put together. You know what I mean? Like, yep. there's not a ton of holes. And especially on offense at, at the receiver position, there's not really kind of a, a ready-made spot for him to come in because they've, they've spent some money on some veterans and and when you spend money on veterans that means you have to kind of cut costs elsewhere you bring in a veteran into Vera Posey did that cut into the idea of Tasker coming back and and you know with with what the season could be that we're kind of in uncharted waters here so 
maybe it's all kind of like who the hell knows at this point. Like, I mean, we don't know what the hell's going on, but maybe that won't affect the cat. Like, I, I'm just, I just don't know where he's kind of slots in. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's yeah, not, yeah, there's not I, that, I, that, that, that guaranteed spot. That's all, that's all I'm kind of saying. Absolutely, uh, there isn't a guaranteed spot. Does, does will he accept a backup role? Perhaps because we all know that injuries happen. Um, he could, you know, come in when when someone goes down and and uh, really contribute. But uh, you're right, there isn't. I mean, with those young guys coming up, we saw some of the Marcus Tuckers and uh, play uh, exceptionally well. Marcus Davis played very well. Uh, it's going to be tough. But if they could bring him into camp and maybe, you know, he he sits on the bench until something happens, uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't complain having him as an insurance policy. Oh, absolutely. That'd be one of the best insurance policies yeah. you could have. It's just, it's weird to me that there's not another team out there that would have already tried to scoop him up. Now there's also the possibility, sure. and I think we've talked about this before on the pod, that he might not want to go anywhere else. He lives in Buffalo. It's a, it's a short drive to Hamilton. Uh, he, he likes, he likes the area. And to me, the only other like natural fit, if he wants to kind of keep his lifestyle the way it is, is, is obviously the Argos, but they spend a ton of money on receivers, especially Canadian receivers. Um, yeah, I just I, I I don't really know where he slots in. I, I hope it's back in black and gold, even if it's in a, a limited capacity. Because I mean, he's one of those guys that you just you. I want to see his name get etched on the cup, and I think that this the, this Ticats team these next couple of years, this is this is the best shot. I think this franchise has had to win a cup since the last time they they won the cup. Um, I was actually it's kind of off topic a little bit. I was actually thinking about this because, you know, everyone kind of takes cracks at the Ticats. Oh, you haven't won since forever. Now that Winnipeg's won a, uh, a cup, this is the longest drought. And aside from the one they just lost, has the, have the Ticats ever gone into a great... When's the last time you remember the Ticats going into a great cup as the favorites? They were the favorites this year when they lost to Winnipeg. But every other year, when they lost to Calgary, when they lost to Saskatchewan, uh, when they lost to Calgary before that, they were the underdogs. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, this, this, this isn't... We're not used to last. The last season was such an anomaly for the for the Ticats fan base. Like you and I were like, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. Like they were with how good they were. It's not. It's rare that the Ticats ever go into a Grey Cup as the favorite. So yeah, people take their shots at the at the team. But I mean, if you're going in as the underdog and you lose, does does isn't that what's supposed to happen? Yeah, I mean, everyone predicted it, right? So I mean, the last time maybe. I can't even really remember. It was ninety nine. They might have been the favorites, yeah, but I'm I... not even. I'm not even sure if they were then. I mean, the Calgary had a solid team uh, with Dave Dickinson leading the way as quarterback, and they just won the Grey Cup the year before. Uh, it's been a while. It's been a long time. The one I know for sure, they were favorites in eighty nine. I mean, they were favorites in twenty nineteen. Absolutely, like there's everything I said. Like I know they lost the game and they kind of got their asses kicked, but everything I said leading up to that game, if if you if we were to go back in time, I would say the exact same things. I did not think that there mm-hmm. was any chance that they would lose that game, and I mean that's why they play the game, as they say. But eighty nine to me would have been the last time that they were head and shoulders favorites. They were like a twelve and six team playing a nine and nine Riders team that that ups made, had one of the biggest upsets in CFL playoff history when they knocked off the sixteen and two. Uh, what was it, Edmonton? I think it was Edmonton. Yeah, I think yeah, Edmonton it was, was Edmonton. sixteen and yeah. two, and that was the that's the sixteen wins the most ever by a team in a in a CFL regular season. So. I mean, the Ticats are definitely favorites in that one, but every other time they've been there, they've been the underdogs. So, yeah, I mean, I know you people want to talk, take their shots. But... If you want to talk, you know, BS about the Ticats, I mean, 
I, I, I don't buy into this 1999 stuff. I mean, let's talk about the present, okay? If, you, if you're an Argo fan and you're talking trash to the Ticats, let's talk about right now. Okay, we're going to line up. If there's a season this year, we're going to kick your butts. What happened last year? We kicked your butts. So, um, you know, we'll get our cup. I'm, I'm not worried. It's not going to be another 30 years. I hope not. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens this year, and then you can trash talk. This year it might be a little bit more difficult, though, if what Brandon Banks said ends up happening. Uh, obviously, we'll get into this more later when we talk about the what's going on in the league, but uh, there's been this talk about the – if the CFL gets back up and running, there's going to be a, a potential for them to all be sort of what's, what they're calling a hub city, where they're going to be in one or maybe two locations, and uh, and that's where they're going to, to play out their games because there's going to be no fans, so it doesn't really matter where they play them. Uh, Speedy B kind of said if the hubs aren't in Hamilton, he he might not play this year, which, uh, I mean, obviously, as, as Ticat fans, that's, that's scary, the idea of the reigning MOP not playing that that's obviously going to be a big blow to the team um what did you think when you when you first saw banks's tweet about potentially not playing unless the hubs were in hamilton well i i love brandon banks um i don't take anything he tweets out seriously he says a lot of things on he twitter. does say a lot of stuff on twitter um so you know like why though i don't understand like why would you know just because it's you're familiar with it like it's not like if it's in Winnipeg. like i see some players like saying, oh, if it's in Winnipeg or Edmonton or whatever, I'm not coming. Is it because there's nothing to do there? Like, it, it, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, what are you going to do? You think you're going to be going out, you know, to strip clubs and, you know, doing all this, like, crazy stuff? No, we, it's not going to happen. We don't have very many of those in Hamilton anymore. We have one, and they're closing it down. Right. <laughs> was that Hamilton Strip? Did they uh, close yeah. that down already? Yeah. Uh, are, no. are they closing that down? They are closing it down. I mean, maybe it's I, closed down already, but last I heard, they were closing it down. I've been to I've been there once. It was after a Ty Cats game. It was a, a loss. <laughs> it was it, it was during like the dark days of the 2010s, and I, I just remember seeing sad Ty Cat fans wearing their Ty Cat gear. <laughs> it was quite the scene, man. But uh, but yeah, Brandon Banks. I mean, I don't know what these players expect. I mean, you're going to be bored no matter what. You're going to be in a bubble. It doesn't really matter where you are. Like. I don't understand it. Uh, I hope that he was just, you know, spouting off on Twitter and because we need him. I mean, he's the best player on the he was the MOP last year. We need him. We need him catching balls for the Tiger Cats no matter if it's in Hamilton or if it's Winnipeg or Edmonton, wherever it is. The one thing I can think of is if you're quarantining these guys from everybody but the teams that I, I guys like to bring their families up, especially like I'm sure you've seen it. Uh, Brandon Banks brings his, his his little son up to games sometimes, and I I just I do wonder if maybe some of these guys are thinking if we play a half a season and I'm getting half the pay, and then I'm going to be away from my family and not see them. Is it going to be worth it? Whereas like maybe I could get a get a job for a year and and still be around my family and stay in football shape and and then come back because whether they play a half season or or whatever or whether they play no season. It's it's going to be different this year, and and guys might have to come back after a long layoff. So, in maybe not necessarily in his defense, but I can understand maybe guys not wanting to leave their families and not being able to see him for for three or four months, and that that might be tough on some people. So maybe they're thinking, hey, I'll I'll sit this one out for the you know fifty thousand dollars I'll make. I'll go make some money somewhere else, and and then come back next year. And it's it's not like Brandon Banks would be hurting for for a job. You know what I mean? Like. 
he, he's going to be welcomed back with open arms, making his, his 200K a year. So I, I do sometimes wonder if maybe some guys are that that's sort of their, their thinking. Mm, yeah. And if that is, that's a, that's a valid, valid point there, Josh. Absolutely. If you want to be close to your family, but he couldn't bring his family to wherever the bubble city was. Like I, it has don't, to be Hamilton. I don't think, I don't think that that's, I think that that's sort of the, I, I like, I know in following sort of what's going on in the NBA and NHL and MLB, I don't think they're supposed to be bringing family and stuff like that with them, but I, I could be wrong. But again, we, we have no idea what a potential 2020 CFL season is going to look like that. It just kind of feels maybe a little silly to speculate. And that's kind of what Banks was doing too. Like maybe he just has, has zero interest in, because when he sent it out, it was about playing in Saskatchewan. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember he said like, I, if it's in Saskatchewan, I ain't going. And, and, and maybe that maybe maybe he's had a bad experience in Saskatchewan, and and like we don't know what what goes on, but this kind of came out because uh, there was a report that Hamilton and Burlington have sort of the the idea that they could be a potential hub. Um, I know that the cases in Hamilton have been going down precipitously. Uh, like I think I think this entire country has done an absolutely fantastic job, for the mm-hmm. most part, of of trying to contain and 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 stop this deadly coronavirus that going on at, and especially when we look down south at, at what's going on down there um but i don't know if hamilton could be a, a suitable hub or if it's going to be winnipeg or edmonton or or regina or whatever it is uh but like there there might be mitigating circumstances that we're not aware of as to why he doesn't want to play in saskatchewan and i mean mm-hmm. you got to think not like brandon banks is a worldly canadian he's he spends he goes out to different places in the, in the country but he goes there to play football and then comes home Hamilton is a is his second home. He's he's probably comfortable here. If, if you're going to go to a foreign land and and not really know what's going on, um, maybe it's it it feels better to be in a comfortable place. I don't know. I've never had to deal with with something like this, so I'm, I'm not really I'm not really sure how I would handle it if, if put in his sort of uh, shoes. Yeah, there's a lot of factors that uh, we don't know about, and maybe I shouldn't be so hard at him, but uh, it's uh, I just want him to play for the Ticats this year. If there is a season. Um, you know, we got a good chance here, and he's a big piece to this football team, obviously. Uh, CFL 2020, have you been watching it? Yeah, I've, I've been trying to catch almost every episode. I obviously caught the... Uh, I didn't see the last one where they unveil uh, the Calgary Stampeders all-time team, but I obviously did watch the Ticats one. Yeah, so uh, this, quickly, the Stampeders one, the, the thing that's been generating controversy there was just who to pick a quarterback. Uh, they mm-hmm. chose Doug Flutie. Uh, but a lot of people are saying it should have been Bo Levi Mitchell and sort of the, I know you're not a Bo guy, so I'm kind of, I'm no. kind of curious to get your take here. <clears throat> the, the one idea, and it was Ryan Ballantyne, uh, Horseman Radio fellow colleague at Three Down Nation. I kind of put this out there that Doug Flutie is, is an all-time CFLer, but based on what he did with the Stamps, Bo has had more success. He's the only two-time Grey Cup winning quarterback with the Calgary Stampeders. He's won two MOPs. I can kind of see... If you're looking at just the Calgary Stampeders, I can kind of see why Bo makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. But Flutie, Flutie was going to make some team, and my opinion is, I think they Flutie makes the Stamps because he's not going to make he's not going to make the Lions. He's not going to be the Lions' number one quarterback, and I don't think he's going to be the Argos. I think the Argos QB is Ricky Ray because Ricky Ray's not going to be the Edmonton QB because I think that's going to be Warren Moon, and I think mm-hmm. you want to kind of get all of the all-time greats on there in some capacity. And, I mean, look what Ricky Ray won two great cups with the Argos. So, I mean, he won just as many championships with them as he did with Edmonton. So he's he has he has a, a very, like, good case as why he's the, the best Argos QB of all time. 
and I don't think there's any way that Warren Moon's not the quarterback for Edmonton. So you're, you're going to have a team where Ricky Ray's not there. And then if if Flutie doesn't make the Stamps team, Doug Flutie, the, maybe the greatest player in CFL history, isn't on any of the all-time teams. I guess it, it, it's just it, I guess it could, because of how Flutie's career went, it's just kind of weird. He never really stayed in any one place for long. But I'm kind of curious. I, I I mean I know that you would you would say Flutie for sure. But do you understand where the argument's coming from as to why Bo makes sense as well? Well, I'm going to shock here. I would have went with Bo. Whoa! Yeah, I know. It's it's a big shocker. I, was, I, uh, I poop on uh, Bo Levi Mitchell quite a bit on here and on Twitter. He, he bugs me. But, um, you know, Doug Flutie won one championship with the St. Peters. And then in the playoffs, it kind of fell apart for him uh, every other year. Um, remember the one game where his hands got really cold and he couldn't play? Um, there were some disappointments there in Calgary where they thought for sure they would have been in the Grey Cup every year and playing for it when Flutie was there. So, And Bo, yeah, he's won two championships, and it is a, a team game, but he was the leader of the teams. Um, so personally, uh, I would have went with Bo as the Calgary Stampeders all-time quarterback, and um, I would have put Flutie with the Argos because I just think those Argos teams were so dominant, and Flutie was so good during those two years. I know it's not a long stretch of time, but during those two years, they were the best team, and they won two Grey Cups. So to me, you got to put Bo as the all-time guy with the Stampeders and then Flutie with the Argonauts. You know what? You make a really good argument for Flutie as the Argos because as much as Ray won the exact same amount of championships, took him a few more years, those two Argos teams were 9-9 nine and nine when, when mm-hmm. he won those Grey Cups. And I think there was maybe one or two other years where he was the starter where they finished above 500, whereas you're right, when Flutie was with the Argos, they were head and shoulders the bet that like that ninety seven Argos team is in the conversation as the greatest team of all time. Like they're yeah. they're in there with like uh, pick any I think it's uh, I think I sixty five. Well, you're doing the you're doing the Great Cup flashbacks, or at least you yeah. were for a while there. Sixty five, yep. sixty seven. One of those two Ticats teams were like the second half of the season. They allowed like one touchdown and they were shutting everybody mm-hmm. out. They're in that yep. conversation. Uh, obviously, sixty five. Was it sixty five? Obviously, so. the Baltimore Stallions. Uh, the 95 Stallions are, are in that conversation as well. Uh, and you and, and it's the 97, 98 Argos. Like, that's that's tough. You're, yeah, you know what? I like th- th- my, I had my, my whole conspiracy theory as to who's going where, but you kind of you kind of you kind of make a good sense. You put like then right. make, R- Ricky Ray, who's a guy never won MOP, always was really good. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's one of those guys that just he was so good, but he was never. I don't. Yeah. Oh, this is. Well, this is what's fun about these lists, and 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 that that's, they generate debate and they generate things for us to talk about. So let's talk about the Ticats list for a second here. I wrote a piece for Three Down where I kind of said, like, look, this was a really really solid list. There's not a lot to quibble with, but I there were a few spots that I thought we could have uh, they could have gone in a different direction. And you and I are going to disagree vociferously on the first one. And that's wide receiver. You are, if you love Luke Tasker, the guy you loved before Luke Tasker was Darren Flutie. And I am not sure he belongs on this list, especially ahead of a guy like Tony Champion. Mm. But Mike, give us the reason why you think it's it should be Darren Flutie on this list. Well, I think just, um, you know, uh, Tony Champion was on the team for, for a length of time. And in between years, he was getting looks. I believe two years he got looks in the NFL and he went to camp. Uh, and then came back. Um, obviously, you look at the 1989 season from Tony Champion. 
Uh, he was a runner-up for the MOP, 1,656 yards receiving, uh, 15 touchdowns, just a, an incredible year. Um, he had one outstanding year, which was that year. He had one really good year with uh, 1,216 yards and six touchdowns. And then he had some years that were uh, pretty okay. You know, uh, one year with 851 yards, one year with 203, 270, 581, 545, 176. Now, now granted, um, after that 89 year, he had some injury troubles. And that's why his numbers declined after the 89 year. And some of the numbers that weren't so great were probably because he was getting NFL looks. So if you ask me who is the better receiver, I would probably have to say Tony Champion. Overall, I think that because he, he was getting attention from the NFL, he was probably the better receiver out of the two. But you just look at Darren Flutie's numbers, and when he started with the Ticast, 98, and you got to remember, Darren Flutie was part of the team that brought the Hamilton Tiger Cats out of the depths of hell. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, 98, they came in. It was Danny McManus, Ryan Lancaster, Darren Flutie. Obviously, they made a lot more signings that made this team a lot better. Uh, and some players that might have already been there that were already really good. But he had 1,386 yards, five touchdowns in 98. 1155, seven touchdowns in 99, uh, 1120, four touchdowns in 2000, 1206, and six touchdowns in 2001. And then his weakest year, 2002, I believe the year he retired, he had 929 yards and four touchdowns. And you got to, you, I mean, Tony Champion, you're right, with the amazing grab. He, he had a big, big game in 1989, uh, the Grey Cup, the great game against the, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Um, broken ribs, what an effort, um, you know, goes down in, in Tiger Cat lore. Um, but I just think overall Darren Flutie um, contributed more to this team. He, in 1999, he had those two big touchdown catches in the Grey Cup to lead the Tiger Cats to their, their last Grey Cup championship. Um, and, and just overall, I think that he produced better. Um, he was over 1,000 yards for four out of five seasons, and uh, yeah, I just think you got to give the nod to Darren Flutie because of those um, of those years. You swayed me. Did I sway you? you swayed I swayed me. you. Because here's the thing: I knew you were going to bring up the numbers. I knew that that was going to be the argument because I I wanted to make sure, I wanted to have all my ducks in a row when I said I thought Tony Champion should be on the team. Mm-hmm. So I went. I was like, I, I recall he didn't have huge numbers, but you're right; he did get, get some NFL looks, and that that played a role in, in some of those lesser seasons. And then I looked at Darren Flutie's numbers and I go, 1,000 yards, 1,000 yards, 1,000 yards, 1,000 yards, almost 1,000 yards, and then he retired. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay. But I was still kind of on the champion train because my thought process was, do you, is, are the Ticats the team you most associate with Darren Flutie? Well, I mean, to me it is. Uh, if you, the average CFL fan, maybe it's BC. Yeah, um, you see, know, that, he played that... in Edmonton for like two years. Uh, uh, it's tough because BC played for five years. Hamilton, he played for five years. Yeah, it, it's a tough. It is, and I think that that was that was the reason. Is like, do I consider him an sort? It's sort of like his brother. <clears throat> yeah. He's definitely an all-time great player. There's no doubt about it. Like, deserved Hall of Famer, one of the best receivers I've ever seen play. But do I consider him an all-time tie cat? Because, like, when, again, I, I'm not making comparison to because of, of how, because the length of time here was, was much different. But couldn't you make the argument that because he played for Hamilton, that Arlen Bruce is one of the greatest Ticats 
Because Arlen Bruce was one of the best receivers to ever play in the CFL. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. but his time was so short. You, you, Arlen Bruce is probably going to be on the Argos team because you associate him with the Argos more than you do the Tie Cats. And I, and that was my thing. It was like, do I, when I think of Darren Flutie as a Tie Cats fan, I'm with you. I think of those two touchdown catches in the '99 Grey Cup. As a CFL fan, it's the touchdown catch in the West Final with the BC yeah, that Lions. Was massive, massive. You know and I mean? his like, best, his best year, by the way, was '94. Uh, with the BC Lions had 1,731 yards receiving and eight touchdowns. Yeah, and like it's again, I'm not in, in any way trying to knock Darren Flutie. I love Darren Flutie, but I just don't know if 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 in my head I I automatically associate him with the tight. I know that's weird because you're like he played five years in BC, played five years in Hamilton, played the two in Edmonton, and, and that's sort of where I was like with Tony Champion. I think of the Tie Cats. And mm-hmm. with Darren Flutie, I think of the CFL, and then it's kind of a tie between the Tie Cats and the Lions, and it, it, it's it's one of those ones where I think there's no wrong answers, and that and this whole list, and we'll we'll go through it bit by bit here, uh, position by position, and talk about each each position a little bit. There's no wrong answers on this, quite frankly. Like we're talking about the best of the best to ever play for a franchise. You, you're going to get these right more often than you're going to get them wrong. But I, it's the the Flutie one was a tough one. Yeah, it, you know, and won a Grey Cup with both teams, BC and Hamilton. You know that that huge Grey Cup win in '94 against the the evil team from from the United States, the Baltimore Stallions. Um, yeah, I could see why you could. You know, it'd be tough to choose between BC and Hamilton, but uh, I, I think we're gonna have to agree to disagree on this one. And uh, I'm putting Hamilton. I'm putting. Darren Flutie on the Hamilton all-time team every single time. All right. Let's talk quarterbacks. Uh, TSN chose Bernie Fulling. Now, do you remember a few years ago? I think it was the last season that Ivor win. They did sort of uh, – they did a Ticats uh, all-time team that the fans voted on. Yeah, I got it right here. I got the comparison. Yeah, so do I. Are you, looking at the, yeah. are you looking at the spectator uh, piece? Yes. Yeah, yes, me too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so the fans in 2012 voted for Danny McManus, and TSN picked Bernie Filoni. And obviously I think either one of those is the, is the correct – like you can't go wrong picking either of those guys. I think in an online vote, I think I understand why McManus won. Guys our age, he's our quarterback. But I think I think Bernie Filoni's the right pick. He was the quarterback for the most successful era of Ty Cats football. I, I don't really know if you can you can kind of make. I mean, obviously the numbers and and the, the way the game changed obviously skews towards McManus. But can you really can you really go wrong picking Bernie Filoni? No, you can't. Bernie Filoni was a huge star back then. Um, you know, he, he won several great cups for the Thai Cats, and you're right, you can't compare the numbers because it was just a completely different game. And if you go watch a game from the 60s or the 50s, you'll see that. Um, Which you yeah, have it, done, so you you have some keen insight into that. Yes, so I, I would have went with even though Danny Max, my guy, the the best quarterback of all time with a beer belly, but I gotta go with uh, Bernie Filoni. Yeah, running backs. It was uh, TSN for this pick, Troy Davis. And Jimmy Edwards, Troy Davis, to me, slam dunk, probably the greatest running back in team history, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, the there hasn't been a ton of great running backs for the Tie Cats, because um, oh. this was one where I was like, man, who other than Troy Davis, like who do they pick? Um, back in 2012, the the fans picked Willie Bethay, but TSN picked Jimmy Edwards, who's only spent three years with the Tie Cats, but man, he was like rookie of the year and had like 1,200 yards rushing or something. Like every it was some ludicrously high number. So I mean, I, I don't think there's really a lot to to quibble with there either. No, I don't think so. I'm, I'm, I, I was pretty much, you know, in agreement with a lot of these picks from TSN. Yeah, um, receivers. We talked about Darren Flutie, but Rocky DiPietro, Tommy Grant, and Earl, my favorite player of all time, Earl Winfield. Uh, 
the 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 fans uh, seven years ago picked uh, Rocky, Darren Flutie, Garney Henley, and Earl Winfield. Uh, Henley made the team in the secondary on this one, and I think they didn't want to use like he made he made both offense and defense for the all time team in twenty twelve. Made the uh, just on defense for the TSN list, so I, I really don't like we 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 debated you know Tony Champion versus uh, Darren Flutie, but he made both lists before, so maybe I'm the one that's on the wrong side here. Uh, offensive line, this is where I I kind of had a little bit of uh, I, I brushed up against some of TSN's picks. Uh, Miles Garrell, uh, Bill Danichuk, Ellison Kelly, all great picks, but then they picked Peter Newman and Vince Scott, who to me are all time tie cats, no doubt, but. They made their name more on defense. Like obviously they were two way players because that's what it was back back when they played. But I mm-hmm. always thought of them as more of defensive players. And I think they didn't pick a true center. And I don't know how on for a team that had a stalwart at center for a decade in Marwan Hage, how he's he doesn't make this team. Yeah, I totally agree. Marwan Hage is you know, he, he was on uh, some pretty bad teams, but he was always he was always like one of the best centers in the league. He was always a a tie cat first um you know the, the i know it, it doesn't take you know they don't take um outside work into consideration but he was a guy that was in the community so much doing his thing helping out the the hamilton area so and he was just a great center so i'm with you on that i think marwan hage is he's he just screams tie cats um and i think he should have been on that list all right, defensive line. This is maybe the most impressive. Imagine if this defensive line played together. you would The quarterbacks would be shaking in their boots every time they lined up against them. And this is the reason why a guy like Ted Laurent, who I think is in the conversation as one of the best defensive linemen in team history, probably would never even get a sniff at cracking this lineup. John Barrow, Hall of Famer. Angelo Mosca, Mr. Ticat himself. There's no Ticat's all-time team without Angelo Mosca on it. A thousand years from now, they'll do this again, and Angelo Mosca will still be on this team. In fact, this defensive line will probably be the same. And those are those are your two interior guys. And then the outside, you have Grover Covington, the all-time leader in sacks, and Joe Monford. It where's the hole to pick here? You can't pick anyone else but these four. No hole, no hole whatsoever. I mean, those guys in the middle are just you know, as you said, Mosca is like the most recognizable Ticat name in history, and it's not even close. Um, you know, we got to watch Joe Monford personally, and he was just a demon on the outside. He was this close to breaking the all-time sack list in a season. I think it was like he got to like 22, and it was 22 and a half or something yep. like that. But, yeah, I mean, if they lined up, if that was a team, if that was a defensive line and they lined up together, uh, the, the quarterbacks wouldn't have a chance. Here's the next area where I had a bit of an issue. Uh, linebacker. Uh, back in 2012, it was Bob Krause, Ben Zambiazzi, and Markeith Knowlton. Obviously, one of the guys that made the team, current player Simone Lawrence, couldn't have been picked in 2012 because he wasn't a tie mm-hmm. cat yet. Uh, ben Zambiazzi, to me, uh, no doubter. TSN picked Calvin Tiggle, who was a great player, one defensive player of the year, I believe, in 99. But they don't have a Sam. There's no Sam linebacker. They picked two guys that in Zambiazzi and Tickle that mostly play the middle, and they picked Lawrence, who mostly plays the will. Markeith Knowlton, I, I would have changed Calvin Tickle for Markeith Knowlton here. Markeith Knowlton, and in something we're going to touch on in this, a little bit later, re-watching the, the uh, 2009 East semifinal reminded me of this. He was just all over the place. He was one of the best all-around defensive players the Ticats have ever seen. And I, I feel like you, you look at this linebacking core, which is impressive, 
they don't have a Sam. Marquise Nolta might be one of the five best Sam linebackers to ever play in the CFL. He's got to be on this team as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I think so too. Another guy that um, really stood out amongst, you know, there were some good teams when he played there, but uh, not spectacular teams. And he was he was the, one of the best linebackers in the league for a, a while there. And Calvin Tego was great, obviously. I mean, but he also played for Toronto for four seasons. And that just, you know, that just doesn't sit right with me. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd have to go with uh, with your pick as well. Yeah. I hate to agree with you so much, but you know, <laughs> but you know, the way it but, goes. but we kind of preface this whole thing by by talking about this is that there's no bad picks. There's like I, no. we disagree on on guys being on here, but it's it's hard to be like, well, they, this guy, you know what I mean? Like you're mm-hmm. picking an all time team. All these guys are great players. Uh, defensive back, I think that there's so many guys that were that could have been in consideration. Delvin Bro is a guy that I think could have been in consideration for this. Uh, Les Brown, who made Winnipeg's team, and I know TSN doesn't want guys making multiple teams unless they absolutely have to. Um, he was on Winnipeg's team, so I understand kind of why he didn't make the Ticats team. Uh, Gerald Vaughn, to me, though, is a guy who... Oh, I guess I should say it was Al Brenner, Garney Henley, Rob Hitchcock, David Shaw, and, and Don Southern who made the team. But Gerald Vaughn is a guy that I don't think gets as much credit for how good he was for those, those late 90s, early 2000s teams. And... Again, I'm, I don't know who you take off to get him on here. Uh, I mean, Hitchcock and Henley and Southern, I think, are absolute no-brainers. Uh, but I think there, there's a case to be made for guys like Delvin Bro and uh, Gerald Vaughn. Yeah, I mean, Delvin Bro was just... If you, wanted to, if you want to say, like, the all-time team, maybe he doesn't make the list, but he's he's probably, you know, the all-time greatest um, DB to play for the Ticats. Mm-hmm. I mean... Played with the Ticats, went to the New Orleans Saints, uh, dominant, well, not dominated, but played very, very well in the NFL. Um, I mean, he, yeah, he has to get consideration because he's just, he's just so damn good. Same with, same with Vaughn. Um, but uh, you can't really argue with the, the players that they put on there. Um, Garney Henley, um, I know that he was put on the all time uh, receivers list when it was voted by the fans. And I, I'm not sure he should have been on there. He only played for a couple years as receiver and then went to uh, DB for the rest of his career. And he just had a, a, a tremendous, tremendous career as DB. So I would put him in um, like they did with uh, the TSN team. But uh, I mean, Hitchcock, obviously, I mean, he's one of our favorites Come on, for do, the hall. Do, exactly. I was going to say, we've been, pr- yeah. we've been trying to get him in the hall of fame for yeah. like three or four years now. Like this is, Come on, he, he, he's, he's Mr. If if it if not for Angela Mosca, I think Rob Hitchcock's the the next guy that you at least I most associate with this team. Yeah, I, I'd have to say so as well. And you got Sutherland in there. Um, we, we obviously didn't get to see him play, but well deserving. I would have liked to see Les Brown. Um, he played four seasons with the Tie Cats. He it was early on in his career. Maybe he wasn't at his best when he was with them, but uh, I just associated with him with the Tie Cats. I don't know why. It was it was kind of early on in my lifetime. I didn't really watch him play, but Les Brown is just a a name that pops out to me with the Tie Cats. Yeah, me too. Actually, I have a Tie Cats pennant from the 2010 season uh, signed by him. He was at a game selling selling these uh, pennants, and I, they were like ten bucks. And I was like, sure. And him and Bernie Ruoff were there, and they both signed it for me. I actually just have it up on the wall in my office as I'm still piecing together my little podcast studio here. It's coming together nicely with a bunch of tie cat stuff up. Uh, I should, I should snap some pics and send them your way. You can, you, you, should, can, you should, you can, uh, you can awe at all the 
random tie cat crap that I've picked up over the years. Um, kicker punter was Ozzy. Returner yeah. was Speedy B. I mean, do we even have to debate those? Like Banks no. didn't make it as the returner in, in 2012 because he wasn't on the team. That was Earl Winfield. But to me, Brandon Banks was the easiest. He was definitely like because one of the guys had to be a, a current player. And to me, Brandon Banks was guaranteed. And it was whether is he the return guy or is he the receiver? It all depended on where they put Earl. They put Earl at receiver, which makes sense. He's the all-time team leader in every receiving category, essentially. Brandon Banks, if he plays long enough, might break some of those records. Uh, but to me, Ozzy as the kicker and, and Speedy as the as the returner were no brainers. And then head coach was Ralph Sazio. Mm-hmm. Much like with much like with uh, Bernie Filoni, how do you not have the the coach that led this team to its most success? I know that obviously you and I have a soft spot for Ronnie Lancaster, but to me, the, these last year, Ozzy, Speedy, and Ralph Sazio, there's there's nothing to argue there. No, no, you could you could maybe throw you know Al Bruno in that yep. conversation. But uh, I think they made the right choice for sure with with all those picks. I mean, Speedy B, the best, maybe the best returner of all time. The stats aren't there, but just like, you know, the way he performed in certain situations like that playoff game with two returns. I mean, I don't know if you could tell me that Gizmo is better than Brandon Banks. I'm not like, I know that's that's, um, blasphemy uh, where I'm sitting right now, but I'd still okay. I'd still give it to Gizmo right now, but I think that there was, uh, and maybe Brandon Banks. He probably won't even be returning uh, punts or kicks anymore because he's such a, a great receiver. But at their peaks, I don't know. You, it'd be pretty close. Brandon Banks or Gizmo, it'd be it'd be a tight race. I am not delving into those choppy waters. You are alone <laughs> on an island there, sir. Send your hate <laughs> tweets to Mike underscore Ticats. Everyone out there in Edmonton, that is that is a ballsy thing to say, but I love it. Um. So yeah, what are your thoughts on the all-time roster? Just to kind of to wrap this up, nothing. There are a couple things to kind of quibble. Uh, to me, the, the the most egregious mistake was Calvin Tiggle over Markeith Knowlton, uh, and that's mm-hmm. not taking anything away from Calvin Tiggle, but I, I think you're you're building a team. You want to build a team properly. Other than that, I I think they pretty much nailed this. Yeah, I'd have to agree. I'd be with you on the the Tiggle. And uh, maybe um, throw in Marwan Hage, find a way to get a, uh, a, yeah, yeah. a true That's center at the offensive line spot. Okay, let's move on to talking about some league-wide news. And the first thing that we have to talk about is something we've talked about a couple of times before, but it's back in the news again. And that is a name change coming in the city in which you live, Mike. Basically, uh, to kind of give a Coles Notes version of this, the Edmonton has taken a lot of heat over the last couple of weeks for their what many believe myself included is uh, a racially insensitive team nickname that uh, I choose not to use. Uh, I'm not going to force that on anybody else. I'm, least of all you, Mike, you're free to, to, to use the name if you, if you so choose, it's hard kind of to talk about a team and not use their nick. It's very, it's, it's, it almost feels forced in a way, but this kind of came up because the NFL football team in Washington uh, is dealing with some backlash there. And it looks like they're going to be changing their name, which brought about, calls for the baseball team in Cleveland to change theirs. And these things have been going around for, for quite some time. But I think with sort of society in general, in the wake of the George Floyd situation in the United States, uh, I think people are more sensitive towards these things. And I think we're seeing the ball start to get rolling on some of these things that maybe should have been changed a long time ago. It hits us here in Canada with, with Edmonton and, and the Eskimos moniker, which, yeah, I just said it. But, I mean, we got to talk about it in some way. Um at first, when this all came out with Washington, they said, we're not changing the name. We've spoken to people. There's no consensus on how we feel, on what people feel the name is insensitive or not. 
So we're going to stick with it. And then just recently, much like what happened with Washington, when FedEx said, hey, we're not going to sponsor you if you don't change the name, uh, Bel Air Direct came out and said, we, unless Edmonton changes their moniker to something less offensive, we are no longer going to sponsor them as well. So now it looks like, I mean, I felt for a while then our, our, our friends over at Piffle's podcast broke this. I think it was a little over a year ago that Edmonton had filed a trademark for the name Empire and uh, was in the process of possibly changing the name anyway. Uh, this feels in, in, like an inevitability to me, Mike, that Edmonton will mm-hmm. have a new name sometime in the near future. It's it's no longer, if the if the name is changing, it's when the name gets changed. And you're you're in Edmonton. Maybe you, maybe you speak to to fans of the team. What sort of what sort of your feelings on this? What are, what are you hearing? What what are you sort of uh, where where do you fall on this? Do you think they should change the name? Yeah, I think they should. I think that if you know anyone's offended by the name, they should they should change it, and it's not going away. I mean, every time they tweet something, it's a thousand comments that say change your name. It just doesn't look good for them. Um, so I just think they should change it. I'm not sure Empire is the greatest idea, just because there could be, I don't know, it's like it's basically the 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 empire, the British Empire, or something like that. I don't know um, if people would be offended by that, but uh, I think they should just get rid of it. You know, I think Washington's football team is a ridiculous name. I mean, that's just you wouldn't walk up to an Aboriginal person, call them what the team name is, or or, or you wouldn't do it with with the Edmonton team name either, or the Cleveland Indians. You know, it's just it's just time to move on you know and so what if some people get upset maybe maybe they gain a bunch of you know younger fans in edmonton because they change the name and they sell a bunch of merchandise and you know screw the older people who get offended because of tradition or whatever so i i'm with it i mean just just change it get it over with rip the band-aid off and move on yeah well that was kind of my thinking i wrote about this oh my god it must i mean in COVID years, it feels like eight years ago, but it might have been mm-hmm. six weeks ago, quite frankly. Um, and and my, my thinking was kind of the, the one salient point that it, whether you agree with what I say or not was, would you go up to someone and call them this name? Would you would you go up to an Inuit and, and call them an Eskimo? You would not do that. Just like you said with Washington, you wouldn't, you wouldn't walk up to a Native American and call them by – like you just – you wouldn't do that. So if you wouldn't do... And this was what a lot of people brought up. Uh, Troy Westwood, former kicker for the Bombers, brought this up when Edmonton released their latest tweet about, oh, now we're going to ratchet up sort of community involvement to try to figure out what we want to do with this name. They referred to the community as the Inuit community, not the Eskimo community. Right. And yeah. it's like, it doesn't that tell you something? Like, mm-hmm. you does. know enough not to use this, this term to describe the people, but it's okay for a team name. It just... I don't know. It, it, it this just feels like it just feels like it's time. Like let's mm-hmm. let's stop using people's cultural heritage and and groups of people as our sports teams mascots. And I know there's going to be there's always these these people out there with their disingenuous things of well you can't use this name because it's this or like I saw someone and I actually went after the guy. He's like, well I want to get rid of Vikings and I want to get rid of Argonauts because those names are offensive and it's like yeah let's go find the modern day vikings or the or the, <laughs> or, or the people from the you know mythological greece who are who are pissed off you know what i mean like it it's it, to me that's a disingenuous argument to be like well these these white people names are offense like come on guys it's no one's no one's walking around being being called a viking and getting offended by it 
You know what no. I mean? Like they don't exist no. in modern day. The Argonauts were a mythical army. Like it's just ridiculous. It's it. Stop naming your teams after people. Stop naming your teams with racial slurs. And let, let's just like, what's the big deal? Who cares what the name is? I, yeah. I like. Yeah. Then the the logo's still there. The colors are still there. I mean, the history's still there. Even if you change the name, it's still going to be there. You know, those five great cups. You won with Warren Moon and uh, and all those great players back in the day. It doesn't go away. No. So it's just. You're just stubborn people, you know, just change the name, you know, and it, and I think there's a easy solution just going off, not on the uh, the Edmonton, but with the Cleveland uh, baseball team, I think that there's an easy way to just change it. And then, cause I have a, I have a Cleveland um, Jersey from the movie major league and there's no, you know, racist uh, logo on there. It's like the logo from the movie type thing. It just mm-hmm. says Cleveland across the front. You could just do that easily and it would be a quick change. Well, and, to me, like, I, I don't know, man. It's just, it, it, it gets my gander up when people make these ridiculous, like, counter-arguments. It's, man, just let's just stop. Like, we're, we're, yeah. we, we've evolved as a society, and we've used, the, we've used the term Eskimos in here. And, and I've called, I've indiscriminately said Cleveland Indians and Washington Redskins. And, but you, you grow and, and, and you, you listen to other people and you expose yourself to new people and, and you understand why these things might be hurtful. And, and yep. that, that's part of being a human being. Just because, <clears throat> just because you can find a podcast of us six months ago saying, saying the, the name Edmonton Eskimos doesn't mean, we're, oh, you, you got us. We're hypocrites. Like, mm-hmm. you can, being a human is, is admitting that you've made mistakes in the past because I, I never thought these names were like they're team names. Who cares? And then when you start to see, like, well, maybe, maybe these things aren't right, and maybe just mm-hmm. because it's tradition, it's it doesn't mean it should stick around. Who? It, it's it's a sports team name, man. It's it's not that it's not the end of the world. There are so many teams that have changed their name. The Washington Wizards used to be the Washington Bullets. The New Orleans Pelicans mm-hmm. used to be the New Orleans Hornets. The Charlotte Hornets were the Bobcats, and before that, they were the Hornet. Like. Teams teams change names. It's not that big a deal. Not, no. It doesn't take away the history of the team. It doesn't take away your your memories of the team. It doesn't make it won't make anyone in Edmonton a bad fan that they they long for the days of of the five great cups that the Eskimos won. It's not a it it's a team name. Nothing else changes but the bloody logo uh, like like on the upper part of the jersey. Like the, to me, if you're resistant to change for this, it's it's for silly stubborn reasons. Nothing more. Yeah, and if you want to be a, if you want to be a dick, you could still wear your uh, Edmonton Eskimos shirts after they change the name. Like I, I just don't. It doesn't make any sense to me. Let's just let's just change it and call them the Edmonton Elks or whatever you want to call them, and and uh, and move on and, yeah. and start a new start a new. You know. Yeah, you know they're going to come up with an E name because they're going to yep. want to keep the logo the same. Absolutely. What what changes? Like I I have a ton of Tie Cats merch where I just have the logo on it. Like it doesn't say mm-hmm. Tiger Cats on it anyway. It's just a leaping tiger. I, I think it's a cool looking logo. So I have I have hats with just like it, you 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 show the EE whatever the name is. People are going to recognize that. Oh, that's an, that's the Edmonton CFL team. It's the Empire. It's the Elks. It's yep. the you know Episcopalians. Like whatever whatever name you come up with, it doesn't make a difference. It's going to be an E. The logo is going to stay the same. The colors are going to stay the same. I just I don't understand why you anyone should really be against. There's- yeah, there's there's a lot of pushback, but 
you know, it's just, it seems like a lot of pushback. It's just a small, loud minority, I think. Bingo. We're just stubborn, stubborn-ass people. Yeah, it's, it's that that's, you know what, that's the best way to put a bow on this part. Let's talk about some more negative stuff, however, though, Mike. All right. And, man, does it feel like the CFL and the CFLPA, the players and the owners and the commander, they just can't get along. It's It's been a whirlwind. Trying to keep up with all the stuff that's happened between the board of governors and the players association over the last month and a half feels like we could have, we could have done a show just on that altogether. Um, there was, there was talk that players spoke to Justin Dunk, our, our good friend over at three down nation, talked to him about how they don't trust Ambrosie. They don't feel like he's a good leader. Uh, James Wilder jr. Announced his retirement because he was of the uncertainty of, of what's going on and and I know and everyone should know we're not the biggest James Wilder Jr. fans in this podcast but I gotta respect the man for going hey I, I don't know what's up I want to be able to take care of my family I'm moving on to the next phase of my life that's gotta suck for a young guy who can still play football to give it up but you gotta respect it for that um, Ambrosie said that he was talking he was exchanging ideas with the PA and then Brian Ramsey comes out and says I don't know why he said this but this, this has not happened uh, the, the CFL football ops thing where they, they slashed the, the cap on that and apparently Randy Ambrosi did it unilaterally. Like, there's so much going on. It's hard to keep track of everything. It, it really is. Um, and there's been a lot of trash talk about Randy Ambrosi and I get that. he's uh, He didn't look good in his presentation to the federal government. Um, he hasn't looked good on a lot of things. Uh, one of the biggest things about Randy Ambrosi, that one of his biggest mistakes, I think, was having too much... Um, confidence in the cfl trying to make it a global league it's just not it's not no one cares you know no one cares in canada no one's going to care in europe about the canadian football league i mean this this league is is seems like it's holding on by a thread here um you know i i would estimate that five maybe six of the nine teams you know i i'd say that hamilton makes a little bit of money uh, a very small amount of money i think ottawa and calgary lose a small amount uh, BC, Toronto, and Montreal lose millions. Uh, I think that any other business model, any other business would be non-existent anymore. Um, I don't know, you know, what's holding on these, the, you know, I don't know why the owners would even bother. I mean, you're just going to lose millions of dollars. Everybody in the country, every sports fan that's not a CFL fan thinks it's a joke. Um, you know, the players complain about the pay, but like, they don't get paid more because the teams are losing a lot of money because the people in this country, the sports fans, don't think you're worth to go out and watch. You know, you're not NFL players. I'm sorry. If you were NFL players, you'd be making more money. Um, when the XFL comes back, and I think it will, there's a lot of rumors going around that maybe Disney will buy it. Um, they can go play there and maybe make a lot more money because Disney has more money than God. So, um, I just think that uh, the CFL is going to cease to exist in the next couple of years because of this pandemic. You know, the and if they do exist, the the cap is going to go way down, and we're going to have you know not very good players, you know, third rate players because they're all going to go to the XFL where they're in the states where they can make more money. They don't have to pay taxes in both countries. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are going after the CFL and think it's a big joke because they're going to go under and it just hurts my feelings. It really does because it's more, I know this is a cliche, um, it's more than a game to me. It's It brings me and my father closer together who, you know, in the past haven't had a lot of things in common. Um, it's our tie in 
um, and it just it just hurts me all this negativity all the time <clears throat> towards the league. I'm tearing up here a bit. Wow, uh, wow, this is it, uh, it, it's you know oof. we we complain about we complain about the penalties, about the salary, about the hits, about uh, the attendance. I don't even think you know we us as fans really like it anymore. Um, so to me, this whole thing it's just been uh, really depressing to me. And I just don't think they're going to be able to bounce back. I really don't. Why would anyone invest in this league? Why? You know, TSN doesn't pay very much. They pay $5 million to each team. They get, you know, the highest ratings, you know, second highest ratings on annual, um, on average compared to the NHL. But the thing is, like, the demographics are probably shit. That's why they don't get the sponsors that they want. The CFL is an older crowd. And the sponsors don't want to, you know, put their money into the CFL because that 18 to 49 demographic probably isn't there. So that's why TSN doesn't pay anything to the CFL. When we first heard that CFL contract from TSN, $40 million. Oh, my God, that's amazing. It's nothing. It's nothing. It covers the players' contracts. And then the teams have, like, you know, 30 to $40 million operating costs. I just don't see how it can work anymore. I'm speechless. I, I I agree with you, and I think I am guilty of this, of being overly negative. My thinking is this, is that before this whole pandemic stuff started, and, and I'm a little bit more optimistic that the league will survive simply because I don't think, because a lot of this is dependent on government, assistance i don't think the federal government will allow an institution like the cfl to go away maybe you're right maybe 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 nobody cares no but but you could say the same thing about art museums Uh, you could say the same like there's a bunch of stuff that people that most people don't care about but Mm. that the government thinks is important Important. for our culture you know what i mean like um like my mom works at the art gallery of hamilton and it's a non-profit and they get donors and, and all this other sorts of stuff, but it's not it's not a money making venture. It's but it's something that's deemed good for the community. So it's something that governments invest in. I think I, I agree with you. I think there are a lot of people out there that just hate the CFL for for no reason whatsoever. And it, it always it always bothered me when people are like, "Oh, the players aren't very good. They they're not. If they were any good, they'd play in the NFL." But yet these are some of the same guys that they would watch play in college. There, there are guys who play – people love NCAA football. And right. they'll, they'll watch the, the weirdest late-night Pac-12 games between Oregon and Utah. And it's, oh, we love it, we love it, we love it. And then when those guys play in the CFL, these same guys are like, oh, well, they can't play? Like, that doesn't make any – like, Jeremiah Masoli started a friggin' Rose Bowl. And because yeah. he plays for Hamilton and not, <clears throat> and not Tennessee, he can't play. Like, that's it. That, I, I don't have time for the people – people that, that that have mindsets like that um but i just think that that the cfl is a cultural institution as an important part of canadiana i just don't think the federal government will, will let it die as far as being negative my my before the pandemic hit and and i i'm guilty of being negative and, and being over especially about the commissioner and and, and nitpicking well, you're just you're just reporting like you're not necessarily being no, no. negative they just you know you got to do what you got to do on three donation if the news comes out you got to report it and i'm not and i'm not bashing on you by any means i i didn't think you were but i'm, I'm just kind of giving because i have been i've have gone after the league for some stuff that they've done and and 
my thinking is if you look at the other major sports leagues, they are not immune from criticism. And just because the CFL might not be the NFL or the NHL or anything like that, I feel like we sh- if, if we want it to be that, and I know that you're saying like it's never going to be, and, and, and I understand where you're coming from that, but I'm saying there are people, the commissioner himself says, we're a major league and we should be treated like a major league and we should act like a major league. Well, those major leagues get, get criticized when they do things that are stupid. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? They like ha- The commissioner of the National Hockey League, when he hands out the Stanley Cup, is booed out of the building no matter where he is. The commissioner of the National Football League is booed out of the building when he hands over the, the, the Super Bowl trophy. The only commissioner that anyone seems to like is the guy in the NBA, and now they're kind of wishy-washy on him because of all this trying to restart the league in Florida where their COVID cases are going through the roof. And it, this isn't a good idea, and all that other sorts of thing. No one, I can't remember the last time anyone liked the commissioner in baseball. So, it, to me, it's it's, it, I I I do see a lot of fans that just like I kind of do nitpick on the negative, and I can, I can be guilty of that, and I'm not I'm not in any way trying to take that out because there are things when I see I here's the thing we talk we're talking about negative stuff now. I want to talk about positives. Like, I, it's freaking July. I wish we were talking about a game instead of all this other bullshit. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. the world's the way it is right now, and we're not. I love sitting down and, and talk. If this, if this went away, our show goes away. And, and me and you yep. talking once a week or however many times we get to do. We do about, you know, 25 to 30 episodes a year. That goes away. I don't want that to go away. I, 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 one of the, the highlights of my week is getting to sit down and talk football with you for an hour, an hour and a half. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like, that that's what I and it, without the CFL, like hell, without the CFL, do we even know each other? Like, could, could you? No, nope, I, I definitely not. I couldn't imagine my life. And this we're getting kind of sappy here, but I couldn't imagine my life if I don't know you. I don't go to Edmonton two years ago and and enjoy my first Grey Cup. Like we had we had never met. And you welcomed me into your home because of our singular love for the league, and I think maybe we need to. Because we can be guilty of the negative, and I'm with you. When something bad happens, we have to talk about it. We have to report on it. I think we should try to, to instead of focusing on the negatives, let's 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 start by focusing on let, let's do some positive stuff. And I will start here because I've been super critical of Randy Ambrosi of how he's handled things, especially during the whole COVID pandemic. But I will say something nice about him right now. His belief in the CFL being able to be more than it is, is something I've wanted to hear from somebody for a long time. He, I can criticize the fact that he has these grandiose ideas that he never fulfills, but isn't it nice to actually hear someone have big ideas for this league when everyone else says it can only be this? At least he's trying to make it something bigger. And Mm -hmm. obviously COVID completely screwed the pooch on everything he was trying to do. And maybe we never recover from it. And the league goes back to the way it was in the mid-90s on death's door every year. That would suck. But at least at least he tried at some point to make this something more than it was. So that's my little piece of an olive branch to the league offices saying, you know what, I, I might be critical of some of the stuff you do. But I'd rather be critical of the stuff you do and have you be around then not be and have you not exist yeah uh yeah and you you gotta you know he does have a love for the league it is pretty obvious he thinks it can be bigger than what it is now but uh you know i just i just don't know i don't know i don't know how you can you know 
sell the league to big cities like Toronto and BC, and maybe Montreal. They showed they they'll support a winner in Montreal no matter what um, what league you play in. I think, but it, it's just going to be tough. You know, I think that I really think that TSN should step up and and give some more money to the league. I know that's not going to happen, and I know that you know it's maybe me you know saying that give them money and it's a bit of a charity case, but. I just think they're worth more than $5 million per team. I, that's just my personal opinion, and I think it would help out the league so much if they had more TV money. Like I I don't know if you can compare it to the Australian Football League, but they get they get tons of money for their TV contract. It's way more than the CFL, um, to my knowledge, and the, the, you know, their stadiums are packed. And they <clears throat> they embrace their, their own league, and we just, we just don't do that here. Maybe it's because we're connected to the biggest, you know, media producer biggest country in the league with all the best uh, pro sports leagues the united states but but man it'd be nice if we could get behind something of our own and, and build that up for once but i, uh, I, I think 100 percent it has to do with the fact that all of our other sports leagues are tied with the u.s i yeah. really do i think if there yeah. if we had i know you don't like soccer but there is a canadian soccer league that has built itself it literally built itself from the ground up and it's nowhere near a financial success. It's nowhere near being how, like you don't see CPL highlights on like when when Hamilton's team Forge won the won the CPL championship. There weren't highlights on TSN. Like it's not it's not there yet, but it's it could get there. And I think that there is more. And I if because no, no one no one says because because the one the one thing soccer has that the other sports in, in Canada don't is no one looks at the MLS as the best soccer league in the world. No. All of that's over in Europe, but I I I work with guys who love soccer and one one of the one of the guys actually funny enough the receiver over at at my store, young kid, 21 years old. Comes to me he's like, "Man, you ever CPL start?" And this Portuguese kid, loves soccer, plays soccer, watches the big European leagues and he's just like, "Man, do you do you know when the CPL might be starting up again cuz like I miss it." And yeah. I just wish we could get there with football, but I, I just always think there's going to be people, and it just sucks that it's this way, that are going to always say, well, why would I watch that when I can watch the NFL? Right. And it, it just right. sucks. Because it, it, I don't understand that mentality. I love football. I watch NCAA ball. I, I went to a U of T game last year, for crying out loud, and I've tried to get more into U sports, and it, it's difficult because they're not as, it's not as accessible as it should be, but I try. I love the CFL and I love the NFL. Like I like the game of football. And if you like the game of football, wouldn't you want to watch more of it? Whether you think you'd, it's second rate or not, like you'd think so. It makes no sense to me. And like I said, to start, it makes no sense to me. These guys would, would watch these same players. Terrence Tolliver is a guy that I always think of because he played at freaking LSU who just mm-hmm. won the national championship. Like that's a major college program. There are guys that played at Alabama. There's guys, Danny McManus was the starting quarterback at freaking Florida State for Bobby Bowden. He's good yep. enough to play for Bobby freaking one of the greatest coaches in college football history and one of the most historic, important schools in, in all of college football. He Danny McManus was the starting quarterback there, but because he played for Winnipeg and BC and Edmonton and Hamilton and came to the CFL, he's no good all of us. Like that doesn't make any sense to me. It's it's such a No, it doesn't. Backwards. It doesn't. Ass- there's like, there's some cloud over the CFL where is just assume that it's trash. Like you just you just know it's trash. Um, I don't. I don't. I, maybe but you know what's weird? You take someone to a game, and they're hooked. They mm. you, you take a stranger. Like I've taken people who don't. I've gone to games with people who are like, oh, I just want to go to see a football game, and they watch it, and they're just like, 
oh, this is pretty entertaining. Like maybe they don't become lifelong fans. They don't become diehards. They're, they're, you know, they're not draped in team paraphernalia, but no, I've never met anyone who's watched a game and said, this sucks. But also if you take them to a game, that's not so good. They'll never come back ever. Maybe. They'll never watch a game again. And you know, ever. I, you know what I hate about that is that it's not like every football game in every other league is is some no, fifty to forty-nine barn burner. No, you're gonna have duds in every single sport: hockey, basketball. At the highest level, there's gonna be crappy games. It just if they see one bad CFL game or they see like one receiver drop a pass, it's like ah, I'm not watching this trash. Yeah, it, it... it's too bad. Yeah, yeah it's I too don't bad. Get it. I just don't think I think we've reached we reached a peak. Um, maybe when Mark Cohan was, but I'll say this about Mark Cohan: he was like the best commissioner ever. Everybody loved him. What happened when they got to the table? You know? Yep. They screwed the players, right? Yep. So I don't think it matters who the commissioner is. No, I don't There's think so. There's the either. he's the puppet, and the puppet masters are behind the 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 drape or whatever you want to say, and they're just doing their thing. The board of governors and the owners, you know. He he just gets um, the commission pays the, to take the heat. Yeah, he's the figurehead. He yep. takes the heat, and that's just the way it's always going to be. I think in the CFL. All right, let's 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 go back to some positivity. This is, uh, I mean, this kind of started off negative because I've seen people crap on this idea, but the idea of a six-game season was floated, and I know how you feel about this because you tweeted out about it, and yep. I feel the same way. There are people out there who are like, "No, a six-game season is not good enough." Mike, I I don't care. Give me a four-game season. Like, yeah. give me – I don't – if you're going to tell me they're going to play some football, I, like I said to you, give me a double elimination tournament, and that's all mm. we get this year, I'd be happy. What do you think, man? Six-game six game season, if it happens, you're, you're all in, right? Sure. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> it's better than nothing. And, you know, if it helps the league a little bit, you know, I heard that maybe if they play a couple games, they won't lose as much money to get some of that – TSN money and you know it helps them out a little bit I get to watch some football I get to watch some high intensity football I think it will be because it, uh, okay the one thing I don't like is the 18 playoff um, I think they should just keep it at 6 um, but but give me anything man give me 6 games give me 4 games I just want to watch some football I want to watch my team play our team is loaded and I want to see them on the field kicking some ass can I be honest with you I'd cut the playoffs to 4 teams and I would do yeah. Why I would not? do I would do a two game aggregate like they did in the old days two game total point East and West final and then the Grey Cup that we you just get the same amount of playoff games you still get the the five playoff games but you don't have a team that goes one and five that finishes an eighth slipping in getting hot and winning the whole thing now right. if that's the way it works out it, it'll be one of those quirky anomalies where we go man do you remember when when Ottawa started one and five and, and they got all the way to the gray cup and then got beat by who, you know what I mean? Or whatever, if they win it all, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah, I, I might, I might cut the playoffs down instead of going with eight teams. I might, uh, I might cut it down and, and do, and do four teams and do the double total points. Like, but what, why what, wouldn't you? You're not, you're not losing any money from the no. playoff, um, you know, gate or whatever. Just, I mean, there's, if there's six games, if there's eight games, I would like to see your idea go forward with the four teams because it just, it just makes more sense. It yeah. really does. And you know what? Look, obviously this isn't ideal. Six games wouldn't be ideal, but nothing's going to be ideal this year. It's all nope. going to be, it's all a compromise. Why is six games worse than eight games? Like, what, because yeah, you get to play every team once? Like, to me, if, if yeah. you're going to do this Hub City stuff, I would completely separate the divisions. And I just have, I, let, let's say you have a Hub in Winnipeg, you have a Hub in Hamilton. And you have the East teams in Hamilton, you have the West teams in Winnipeg. They play each other as many, you know, 
you guys play each other, and then you, you don't see a Western team, because not like people are going to the game, so it's not, it doesn't make a difference. You don't see a Western team until you get to the Grey Cup. I think that, like, there are so many outside-the-box things that the CFL could do this. If, if we're going weird, we might as well go, we might as well just do it, like, let's, let's go weird. You know what I mean? Like, no, <laughs> yeah. nothing, yeah. nothing is going to be... Uh, if there's no there, resemblance, no, there's no resemblance of normality in ex- this season. So, well, like, how did you say that better than I did? I couldn't think of the words. You just, just pulled that out of your ass. Yeah, just just plow ahead. You know, do what you got to do. If it's six games, if it's eight games, um, I just I just really want to watch some football, and uh, it doesn't matter to me how many games there are. I just really and yes, you can put an asterisk beside. You can put an asterisk beside the Grey Cup champion if you want. If the Ticats win it, I'll consider that a Grey Cup championship. But uh, if other teams fans don't want to accept it then fine don't watch well, but i, I want to watch i, I want to watch, watch too and the, the, well, the way i look at it is if there's a season this year six games eight games whatever uh whatever team wins the other eight fan bases will say well it's not a real championship so it doesn't matter who wins you yeah. know what i mean like you will say we can sit here and say i mean i think i don't think you and i would do this but we can sit here as high fans say oh no there's no asterisks and then if 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 they do the stupid 18 playoff and a one in five team wins. Everyone's going to be like, "Well, did they real? Is it really count? Like, it's going to happen no matter what." So, I mean, just, let, let's just embrace it. Let, let, getting something on the field is better than nothing on the field, and it would give us something to talk about instead of sitting here being all depressed that the, that the league might fold. God damn it! Yeah, just just be just be happy with what you get, and uh, hopefully, twenty twenty one. You know, it'll be back to normal. I, I, it's gonna. I don't know if it will be, but hopefully, it will be. All right, we got some rapid-fire things to talk about. These are things that happened. Uh, we're not going to spend a ton of time on them, but they happened over the last little while that we felt the need to touch on. Again, unfortunately, we're delving into a little bit of the negative here. Christian Jones, former return man for, for the Edmonton team, uh, tweeted out some pretty inflammatory, homophobic things. I wrote a piece on 3Down that said uh, this. Th- there's no place in the league for the things he said. Basically, that... Uh, Men shouldn't be with men and women shouldn't be with women. He was summarily released not long after that that day, I believe. Man, did, why do people care? Like, did, who cares? Yeah. You you love who you love. Why does it matter? Yeah, there's a. I forget what comedian is, but there's a great bit about people like why do people care about you know gay marriage or uh, gay people or or whatever. It's like it doesn't affect you. Like, who gives a crap? Let let them do what they want to do. It just doesn't matter. So just, you know, to me, it's like you're dumb for tweeting that out. But uh, I don't. Maybe there should be some things in you know play. Like maybe they shouldn't have released him right away. Maybe get him into like a, I don't know, a sensitivity program or something. Um, but the, the yeah, Edmonton was quick on that and and didn't want any controversy about that, especially what's going on with their name. So, I, I would uh, agree. I would agree with you on the sensitivity stuff. The only thing is, is that he kept tweeting people who were going after him for it, oh, and said, okay, "I'm never, I'm that. never going to change my mind." Uh, okay. And then it's well, like, then, okay, yeah. well, if you're never going to change your mind, get, get the hell out. Yeah, yeah, I can. I didn't. I didn't know he went. Uh, kept going on. So, yeah, no, it was probably the right choice. Then. But maybe this is a, a teachable moment, a learning moment for him. Maybe he becomes a better human being because of it. Because again, I just, I don't know. I just don't understand why people. I don't understand why why people judge people based on their race. I don't understand why people judge people based on their sexuality. I just I just don't get it. Um, the Argos violated the salary cap last year. They won four games. They violated the cap, and like that would be absurd in and of itself. And then we find out that they're not going to be fined for it because of COVID, which happened in 2020. But the salary cap violation was 2019. 
make sense of this for me, Mike. Uh, I can't. Uh, I, I just can't. It's, uh, you know, I know that we're going through tough times and tough financial times, but really MLSC is going to, uh, they would be a drop in the bucket for them. I mean, and if you're going to go over, go way over Toronto. I mean, you, just be the enemy. Be the bad guy. Go Win go some games. If you're going to go over, don't win four games. And true, true. But, you know. That's just, the worst just, return on investment I've ever seen. Yeah, it was pretty bad. I don't know how they managed to with the, Who did they with pay? the talent on that team. I don't <laughs> know. It's uh, it's a noodle scratcher to me. I, I, it doesn't make any sense. And uh, neither does the league not finding them. And I and I, again, I wrote about this for three down because apparently I'm the negative Nelly that uh, when something happens and I'm like, this is stupid. I got to write about it. Um, I said, I get it with, with what's going on in the financial uncertainty. If you want to defer the payment, if you want to break it down over a number of years so that MLSC is not hurting for the money, as you said. So I don't know if this is going to affect it would affect them if they had to pay the full fine. But let's let's be egalitarian and go, you know what? We understand what, what everyone's going through. Let's. Let's, you're not going to get the full fine now. You're going to get it over a number of years. I think that would have quelled any opposition. But no fine whatsoever. That to me is um, that's highly questionable. Yeah, it, absolutely. All it does is all it does is give rise to the the Argos conspiracy that the league has it out to make sure that they're good and because they really mm-hmm. want to make Toronto important and blah 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 blah. And we don't have to get into that. But you know what I mean? Like it just brings this all back up again when it's like just treat them like everybody else. Yeah, it should have been. And I'm sure it wasn't that big of a fine. Like really, realistically, like how. I, I think I saw somewhere they, they were less than 20,000 over. Yeah. So just do, just do it, you know, do the way that you said it maybe over time, but, uh, you know, make them pay because yeah. it's, it's, it's just like everyone else has to pay. So uh, yeah. Yeah. I just want to know where it went. Their highest paid player was James Franklin made like 350 grand. I just don't know. I just don't know who on that team they were over. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah, and three James three hundred fifty grand to James Franklin for the player he's turned into is is way overpriced. Yeah, but, I yeah. mean Darrell Walker was like the next highest pay player. He was over, I think he was two seventy five, and he was the highest paid non quarterback in the league. Yeah, that, that that to me makes sense. He's he's that good of a receiver, but yeah. I, anyway, I don't know. Uh, last little rapid fire thing here: Chris Cuthbert, the voice of CFL on TSN, left to go to Sportsnet. Uh, he he wanted to call a Stanley Cup, and he's going to get the opportunity to do that. So I can't really fault him there. But uh, this is kind of a big blow, I think, to TSN. Uh, I'm not one of those guys who's like the announcers really matter all that much. Like I that that maybe I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on that. But Chris Cuthbert was really good at what he did. Uh, his voice over CFL football just sounds right in my head. And just like, does TSN really have anyone? kind of on the bench that can fill in and become their number one guy i don't know if they do this is uh this is a bit of a blow for for tsn's football coverage i think yeah i think so i was through a little temper tantrum when i saw it at first um but then i calmed down you know it's like he was great he is great um you know i'll always associate him with cfl football but if he wants to go and and, uh, you know call a stanley cup I, i can completely understand that um, you know, we need some new blood in there. Uh, the, Chris Cuthbert wouldn't be the guy that I'd get rid of, but uh, maybe someone comes in that, uh, you know, I know that Dustin Nielsen guy called some games last yep. year. Maybe he, was very he good. comes in. Yeah, he was very good. Um, so, yeah, it sucks, but, uh, you know, we got to move on. Um, it just, it's too bad that we'll probably never hear him mention the CFL again now that he's with Sportsnet. But, uh, oh, well, oh, well. 
Uh, can I can I throw out a name? I watched sure. a lot of uh, U Sports football uh, on on CBC last year. Mark Lee. Mark Lee used to call CFL games for CBC. Yes. I his voice on on football just sounds right, and I, I don't know if he'd be interested in leaving CBC. I don't know if if maybe they could work out sort of a, an exchange agreement where he could come in and do the CFL. I'd love to hear Mark Lee calling CFL games again. So would I. There's a you know I look back fondly on the CBC coverage. I know Me a lot too. Of people don't. I know a lot of people don't, but uh, it's kind of nostalgic for me being a, a kid growing up in that era. Um, just the theme song and, and all that stuff. I watched a couple CBC broadcasts on uh, YouTube recently of some old games. And, yeah, it does bring up a lot of good memories for me. And, and he he was good. He was really good. Um, I remember Walby was there, too. I don't know if you bring him back. But um, Walby, uh, Darren Flutie did it for a little bit, too. And then he kind of disappeared off the face of the CFL earth. And he just... You never see him anymore, which upsets me. But um, yeah, I think Mark Lee would be be a solid choice. I'm I'm with you, man, on being nostalgic for CFL on CBC. I know that it wasn't the greatest product, and I know that there were there were ways that they like TSN has obviously taken it at least initially took it to to new heights. But I think TSN's got a little stale over the yep. last little the last few years. Uh, I do think the addition of Rod Smith to the panel was really good i i just i just really like rod smith quite frankly so i yeah, think I, the more i get to hear solid him talk voice about, yeah and he's the more i get to hear him talk about and he loves football like he's an yeah. ex he played I, I believe he went to queens played football there yeah. he's definitely a guy that loves football and i guess i just love hearing him talk i i just really like rod smith is like because he's i've been watching tsn since i was a kid and he's been there pretty much since i've been watching it he's just one of the names i associate with tsn so i'm just anytime i get to hear him do anything i, I really enjoy it um but yeah, I kind of when we when we went back and watched the uh, the '98 East final for the show a year or two ago, just watching the CBC broadcast of it, it was like, yeah, maybe this isn't the greatest thing in the world, but man, it it, it brought back some some warm and fuzzy memories, and uh, I don't know, I, I I think hearing Mark Lee call the game again might might just you know tickle that nostalgia bone a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It's like you know. Tony Giovanni or Jim Ross coming to AEW. Yep. You know, I know a lot of fans won't understand. People this are like, "What the hell is like it? The, Who the hell are those? Yeah, guys? Yeah. What the hell are you talking yeah. about?" Yeah, but it just brings back those warm and fuzzy memories and the the CBC theme song. You know, dun, 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 you know what I mean? It's like bring back theme songs that don't have lyrics. You know, I, I you know. Yeah, no more rec laws. No more rec laws. I know people. Some people like it, but good lord, it's terrible. No, just I just need a nice synthesized beat yes. and I'm good to go. Like the NBA on NBC. That's exactly what I was thinking the of. Best. That is the best. You know, you don't need this like fancy country song or rock and roll song or whatever. Although I did like the first Friday Night Football theme song, but uh, other than that, like just go to the. And I'm the same way with wrestling theme songs. I, I don't want to hear lyrics. I want to hear just a nice, you know, you know, you know what I mean. I do know exactly. Well. When you think of the iconic songs, I mean, actually, a lot of iconic wrestling songs do have do have lyrics, like Hulk Hogan, Shawn Michaels, but like Bret Hart, Rock Tremaine, Randy Savage, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yep. Like The Rock has words, but he doesn't have lyrics. Like it, most of them, the, the NWO. It's the Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate Warrior. You know, Razor Ramon. A yep. lot of them are they're 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 just well made pieces of music, and and you hear the first strands of it, and you're like, yeah, for everyone that has lyrics, there are like five or six that don't. Um, but speaking of nostalgia, Mike, we are going to get in our nostalgia machines and kind of kick it old school over the next uh, few episodes 
we've seen TSN kind of delve into the past to show some old CFL games. Uh, just last week, they showed the 2009 East semifinal between the Ticats and the BC Lions. That is a game on the next episode that Mike and I are going to cover essentially as if it was a game that happened today. Uh, it's basically going to be a, an old school, as we've done throughout the years in the show, game preview, a game review. We're going to talk about it like it happened. Uh, I watched it live, live tweeted it from the Podski account. Uh, you, I, I, I said, hey, Mike, you got to record this because I want to do this on the show. You, you did watch it. Uh, we've obviously gone super long on this week's episode, so we're not going to do it here. But it's going to be the start of something we're calling Ticats Encore. That's going to be the first one. It's one of the games I've wanted to rewatch it for the longest time. Can you believe it was 11 years ago that that game no. happened? It's, uh, man, I was, uh, time flies. I was a young, young man of 27 and now I'm on the precipice of 40 and it's just, it mm-hmm. just, it feels like, yeah, I was watching the game and, and, and just reliving some of the names and some of the names that I had forgotten and, and then the ones that I remembered. And the one thing about the game that we, we can kind of touch on here is I've forgotten wasn't that good <laughs> the it, no. the ending of regulation sort of really brings that game up in esteem does it not it does and you know the i think we remember it finally partially because of the the great dave stella diving catch early on in the oh, game what a catch uh, that was that was a big highlight and but yeah you're right the game wasn't uh it was not a classic, but the ending was pretty damn exciting. Yeah, well, the ending to regulation, the ending of the game itself, uh, kind of sucked. Right. But yeah, this will be one of the true. this will be one of the few games we go back and watch where the Ticats actually lose. But I, I think this is a very important game in the history of the franchise because this, to me, signified that the Ticats were back. They were back in the playoffs for the first time in five years, hosting a playoff game for the first time in eight years. Uh, I feel like the city was rejuvenated with Ticats fever. I remember going to that game and, and Iverwind Stadium wasn't sold out, but it was it was as packed as I had seen it in a very long time. It was a very loud atmosphere, especially near the end of the game. It To me, it's one of the more important games, and, and there's just so much good stuff in there. Despite the game not being great, there, there's some names that we're going to talk about that we barely remembered. There There's some guys we got to watch do it again. It was it was just a good time. But it, that's the first of, of what we're hoping will be many games that we're going to get to cover and we actually have four in mind that we're going to do a poll. And we're going to let you, the listeners, decide which game we're going to do. Uh, Mike and I chose these four games uh, because I have access. Uh, I can't say why, but I have access to some older games. And we're, we're going to get to watch these and then talk about them. A couple that we've never covered on the show before because they happened before we, uh, we started doing things. But a couple that we, we've covered that will be fun to kind of revisit, I think. So... Uh, the first one on the list is, I, I think, the one that's going to win, quite frankly. It's the 2013 East Final. If uh, if you're a mm-hmm. Ticats fan listening to this, you know exactly what game this is. Argos Ticats at the Sky Dome. A massive crowd split almost 50-50. It was, it was one of the best atmospheres I've ever been in for a football game. The Ticats win that to get back to the Grey Cup for the first time since 99. Mike, do you have any memories of, of the 2013 East Final? And are you like me? Do you think this is the one that's going to ultimately take it in the poll well just uh you, we talked about classic games that was that a was classic a classic game yeah. that was um i just remember cheering my face off you know at home watching the game just i i didn't know if we were gonna pull it pull it off and um to go into toronto and it was just like ah i wish i was in the stands because i could feel the atmosphere through the tv uh, a couple of my buddies were there and they they told me it was just so so loud and just um, it's just always fun seeing all those Ticat fans in Toronto and 
um, you know, Henry Burris doing his thing and Bakari Grant. And, you know, there was a lot of uh, great plays in that game that uh, I remember fondly. So it, it was uh, it's up there with one of my favorite Tigat games of all time. Yeah, they just uh, they just played the 2013 East Semi that year where Hamilton beat Montreal and Guelph. Mm. Uh, also not not a classic by any stretch of the imagination, but they showed it on TSN. I watched that one, too. Um, but the, the 2013 East final, uh, I, I know we've ragged on Henry Burris, especially me. Uh, that was his finest moment as a Ticats player. It was a masterpiece yep. of a game. And uh, whether that wins the poll or not, we are going to cover that on a future episode for sure. Uh, the next one up is the 2014 Labor Day Classic. Uh, this one, if I recall correctly, also not much of a classic in the traditional sense of the word. But it was important for, for one big reason. It was the very first game at Tim Hortons Field. Uh, and it was uh, the start of Hamilton's current run of mm. of winning on Labor Day. They haven't lost the 2012 season. They lost to the Argos, 2013 obviously in Guelph, and 2014 to present day. They've won every single Labor Day Classic since then. This was the start of this run. Uh, but this uh, this this being the opening of Tim Hortons Field, it will give me a chance to remember fondly my feelings walking into that stadium for the first time and kind of taking it in and going, oh, this is what it's going to be like now. Um, but what what do, what do you think of when you think of the uh, 2014 Labor Day Classic? Is there anything that pops to mind? <clears throat> well, the obvious one is the uh, first touchdown, Caleros to Bakari Grant, and then handing the ball off to uh, to uh, Bob Young. So you know, and the Ticats win. So it was, uh, and it, it was funny that the upper deck wasn't, you know, the, the stadium wasn't completely finished. Nope. But uh, yeah, it was the beginning of that long unbeaten streak in uh, Tim Hortons Field. And as you mentioned, the uh, Labor Day streak as well. So a uh, game I look back on fondly as well. I had the worst seats. For, we were on like the goal line. I, it, I would, Because I, my seats are in the upper deck, so they, they moved us. Oh, right. the, seat, the seats were terrible, but the atmosphere was great. Um, it, was, uh, it was a memorable afternoon, to say the least. Uh, the next one up, this is one we have covered before, going all the way back to 2016. This is the game that takes place in Edmonton, Mike. You were at this game. I believe this was, what, your second Ticats Edmonton game in Edmonton? Yes. I think because the first one was the one where you said, oh, they're going to drop 50 on them, and they scored 40. Yes. One of the things yeah. I'll never, I will go to my grave remembering that. Uh, but this was 2016, and the reason we want to cover this is we want to go back and look at Jeremiah Mazzoli's record-breaking night. This was as he was filling in for the injured Zach Caleros. Jeremiah Mazzoli sets the single-game consecutive completions record in this one and it also features a furious comeback for, by the Ticats I believe at one point they were down like 35 to 7 and they mount this massive comeback Mazzoli was brilliant Chad Owens had one of the nicest catches I've ever seen for a touchdown in that game or it might have been a two-point convert I don't remember um, but it'll be fun to kind of go back and revisit a game that we've, we've already talked about but kind of watch it with with fresh eyes you were in the stands for this one Mike so what's one of the things that you remember about this game the most well, it's it's got to be the Flo Rida halftime <laughs> concert. I mean, what well, that, that, that's what screwed Edmonton, wasn't it? Yeah, it must have been. It was so terrible that uh, they were so embarrassed that they 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 scheduled this concert that they they threw the game in the second half. But no, I remember going into the second half, and then the Eskimos scored a touchdown right at the beginning, and I thought. I thought my friend from Ontario came down to, to catch the game, and I was like, well, at least it's a nice day. We can just, you know, chill out in the stands, have a couple beers, and enjoy ourselves. They're not going to win. But then they went on this um, the amazing tear, and I believe it was the biggest comeback in franchise history. That sounds, yeah. that sounds about right. We'll have to do some research, I, I, but I think you're right. 
I think so. But uh, yeah, man, that was fun being in the stands, just cheering our heads off with all the Edmonton fans around us. You know, kind of raising their brow at some uh, some Tiger Cat fans. It was a it was a hell of a time. One of my f- favorite live experiences watching the Tiger Cats play just behind the East Final in '98. That's that's pretty cool. The, we got a couple of live ones here. That I mean, three of these four I was at, so I got yeah. the live perspective there. The last one we're gonna we're gonna put on the poll is also from 2016, and this is the Labor Day Classic from 2016. This is the the game that the Tiger Cats also made a furious comeback in. It was Zach Caleros's, I believe, his second or third start back from the uh, the torn ACL. The Tiger Cats get down. I think the Argos are up 21-7 or 24-7 at one point. And the Ticats just just make this massive comeback. Emmanuel Davis has an interception. I believe he returns it for a touchdown to kind of seal the win. Uh, I believe Chad Owens has a big touchdown in this game, which was uh, his, first, his only Labor Day game playing against the Argos with the Ticats. I just remember the atmosphere of this game being off the charts. This I remember this game just being absolutely amazing. Uh, it'll be another fun one to go back and look at, I yep, think. Absolutely. And I just want to give a little update on the uh... – Ticat Grey Cup flashbacks. I have the 63 one recorded, but I just, I've been a little bit busy and I haven't been happy with the recording. So hopefully the 63 Grey Cup championship team will be out soon. So here's the funny thing. My very next question was to you was going to be, what's up on the Ticat's Grey Cup flashbacks? It has been a while since we've done one. So thank you very much for the update, Mike. So out of these, out of these four games, uh, which one are you most excited to, to, to look at? And which one do you think we will be doing uh, after we do the uh, 09 East final? Well, that's a tough... I think I'm more most excited to look back on the the comeback or the game in, in Edmonton. Um, but I believe that the 2013 East final will be the one chosen. And I have no problem with that because I'm just as excited to look back at that game as well. Yeah, I think um, I, I I think I'd really like to do either of the two games we've never covered before, just because it'll be I, I mean I haven't seen the 2013 East Final in seven years I haven't seen the mm-hmm. 26 2014 Labor Day Classic in in six and and the other two we have covered before which would, it would be fun to go back and do those again but I think those two that we've never we never talked about before would be kind of fun I'm I'm more not just because it was it, of what it meant for the for the franchise, but the 2013 East Finals, the one I think I'm most interested in covering, just because that 2014 Labor Day Classic wasn't exactly... It was a barn burner because it was a close game, but I, I think it was something like 13-12 was the final or something. Yeah, it was pretty ugly. So it's not exactly a, a masterpiece, whereas as that 2013 East Final was... I mean, it was a classic in every sense of the word. Um, mm-hmm. But whatever wins, I'll, I'll be excited to to talk about it again and just... I don't know. I know they're old games, and, and I know some people have a hard time watching old games. I do for the most part, too, although I've gotten into some of these these tie, uh, these uh, these ones they're showing on TSN if the tie Cats are involved, especially. Um, but, man, it'll just be fun to talk football and not worry about all the mm-hmm. extraneous BS that comes comes with the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Look back on, like, I'm with you. I'm not huge on watching old games, but there's certain games that really – Pique my interest, and uh, I'm glad to sit down and then watch three hours of football. Yeah. All right. So this has been a supersized episode, uh, maybe one of the longest we've ever done. But there was a lot to get off our chest, and uh, we just—it's been a while since you and I got a chance to sit down and talk about the game, buddy. So it was nice to do this. We won't have such a long break next time because we—even if we just do the games itself, man—that uh, it'll be enough for an episode in and of itself. Yep. But I'm sure there'll be more news to talk about because. 
as as much as we're still in this this uh, elongated uh, off season, there still seems to be so much stuff going around. Hopefully, uh, I mean, maybe the Podski curse will hit us and. We'll, we'll finish. We'll finish this episode, and some some good news will come out uh, in 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 the next ten or fifteen minutes after we're done recording. But who knows? Well, uh, I'd better happily uh, hear some good news, you know. So I, I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, you know CBA talk coming up in the next you know to the end of the month. So there uh, there'll be lots of CFL news to talk about. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. About uh, there's just. I don't know. There's, there's just, there's just too much to get to that. It's, it's. We would have been here for hours and hours. We've already gone way longer than we normally do, anyway. But, I mean, it is what it is. So uh, that was Podski Weaver for this week. I'm Josh Smith, and I'm Mike Graham. Eat 'em raw. Eat 'em raw.